Wow, in some ways, couldn't we just go home right now? My heart is so full. Just that's this, and, it's, and it couldn't be more perfect, you guys, because the, the title of today's message is A Life of Faithful Service. And uh, that's a life worth dying for, it is a life of actually giving your life away and, and serving. And um, I, I read this morning in Isaiah chapter 41, um, the, the, uh, the Israelites are in Babylon uh, when he writes this, which they're in exile. So it's a really hard time. Like I, just listening to, to Marge's story, it's kind of a picture of a personal Babylon, of a, of a, of a really exiled life. And, but God's going to get ready to, to release them. And he says this, but I, I, want, I want you to think about this. I don't, I don't know how you're doing today. I don't know how your heart is or your soul or your, your life or, or your heart. But this is, listen to this amazing God that we have and what I think he might even want to do tonight. Because that's the only reason we're here, you guys. We're here because he's here. We're here because the living God is here who transforms lives like March. He says this, I, the God of Israel, will not forsake you. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within these valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I'll put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland and fir and the cypress together so that the people may see and know and may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. You guys, our God is a God who can create rivers and streams and pools of water and spring up water in the middle of a desert where there's barren wastelands, God can create cedars. You've seen mighty cedar trees. What he's saying is, I can do what is not natural. I can do what is supernatural. And that's the kingdom of God. That is Jesus Christ. And that was Jesus' message. I have come and the kingdom of God is here. Do you guys know that? And so what we are, what we're all about, so we've been doing this series, a, worth, a life that's worth dying for, is again, we've just realized Jesus was like, you guys, your life to Jesus was worth dying for. And so was Marge's, and so was everybody else on this planet. Because he wants to help desert wastelands and people's souls turn into living streams of water that flow out into the world. That's what he does. And so Jesus' life, you guys, is worth dying for. It's worth giving our life to him. Because when we give our life to him, we give it to other people. That's what happens. Jesus is all about loving every single person on this planet. And so when his spirit fills us up inside, then through us, he reaches everybody. And I just think it's so exciting. I don't have one question that every single one of you who are here tonight, every one of you watching this message online, God says streams of living water will flow from within you. If you'll just believe, if you will believe, and if you will believe today's message that you and I were created for a life of faithful service, if we will believe that, then streams of living water, the Holy Spirit will fill you up and flow out of you 
and the kingdom of God will come. And that means, remember what he, when Jesus taught us to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what happened to March. She got to taste heaven. And that's why we're here. Okay? So I'm praying, man. <laughs> Y'all ready to meet Jesus? Thank you. No, see, and I, and I mean it. Let's, let's not just come to church. Let's not go to church. I'm not interested in going to church. I am very interested in being the church, in being it, being a group of people filled with the Spirit of God to go change this world. Let's ask him to do that, will you? Let's do it. Father, come into our midst through your Spirit. May your word be powerful. May each one of us, God, give us ears to hear you. I do pray that you will speak directly to each person, me included, every one of us, God. Fill us with your spirit. Put us in union with you. Help us to walk out of here, God, and live a life in fellowship with a God who wants to turn deserts into springs of water. Lord, you created the church to change the world. You created the church to change the world. I pray you do it tonight in Jesus' name, amen. All right, man, so we've been walking through Luke, a book in the Bible that goes through the life of Jesus, and, um, and we are getting close, right? I mean, it's, it's Easter's right around the corner here, and so we are getting near the end of Jesus' life. Um, and so his teachings, now there's a, there's a really critical, a beautiful, a pivotal verse in Luke where it says he set his face towards Jerusalem. And, and so all of the, everything that happened up until that time, Jesus was teaching us. Most of his life was actually in the earlier parts of the book. But then he sets his face towards Jerusalem. And as soon as he does that, his days are nearing his end. And the teachings, though, that happen after he sets his face to Jerusalem, it's almost, I got to tell you, get a little ready tonight. It's like Jesus starts turning up the heat a little bit. He's like, okay, man, I've been talking to you guys for three years. I really want you to get this because I'm leaving in a few days. Okay? And so what happens, though, the closer that Jesus gets to the end of his days on earth, it's, it, it, it seems to me as if he knows, right, well, he does. He knows where he's going. And it's the eternal nature of humans that has captured him. And so now he's trying to, I think, so his, his teaching goes, I need to make sure that you guys all understand that this is not the end. This is not the end. But what you do while you're here absolutely affects eternity. So in chapter 12, which is where we are in Luke, um, it starts off and it's crazy, man. It says there was a crowd that was trampling on each other. So it's like a rock star show, Jesus Christ is at this point. There's so many people. But then he says, he turns to his disciples and he speaks to them first. So his disciples are around him, but there's a crowd as well too. And he focuses on eternity. He, he talks, you know, he says, hey, listen, don't fear people who can kill your body, okay? And then he says, um, fear him who after your body is killed has authority to throw you into hell. Just a gentle statement by Jesus. But immediately what he's saying is, hey, don't worry about just physically dying. There's something after this. That's what you should actually be thinking about. Then he says, whoever publicly acknowledges me, I will acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me, I will disown. 
So he's going, okay, so what you do down here matters, y'all. Okay? Because there's something coming up afterwards. And then there's this guy who, he tells a story about a guy who has so much stuff, he must live in America, that he doesn't know what to do with it. And so he decides to build a big barn so he can, he builds another barn so he can stick all of his stuff in it. He just has so much stuff. And then the guy says, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And then Jesus says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Hey, what you do down here matters. What you do with your stuff matters. Jesus is like, don't be a fool. You could be gone today and eternity will be yours immediately. And that's true for every one of us. And then he says, and he goes on, he keeps going. So sell your possessions and give them to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that won't wear out. A treasure in heaven that will, a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so Jesus is saying, it's like, you guys, Where's your heart? Is it here in this world? Is it just caught up in yourself and trying to do the best you can do down here? Or is your heart in heaven? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Okay? And then we get to this story that I'm going to share with you tonight. And he says, what you do here matters. And your faithful service to me is huge. It's what you're created for. It's what you, I am your Lord and you're supposed to serve me. Now, you know what's interesting? I'm gonna share with you a few stories to kind of set the, set the table here because all of us in here have had people who've had authority over us, right? And when they have authority over us, then they can give us duties. They can give us jobs. They can, your boss, you, you can do that or your parents can do that. And, and, and we respond to those who have authority over us. So let me give you a couple examples for me. Um, I grew up in a home and there were seven of us. I had, I, there were five kids and my mom and dad. And I, I just gotta tell you, I hated doing the dishes for that many people. You know, if we didn't have the nice little dishwasher where you could just throw them in and have to do anything. No, my mom, I don't know why she did this, but we always filled up one side of the sink with the soapy water and then the other side with the clean water. And you'd, oh my gosh, you know, seven people's spaghetti in, in this water. It was just disgusting. And you just work and you work and you work and it's gross and you haven't even got to all the pots and pans. I, I don't know, man, I hated doing dishes. Man, when I got married, I'm like, Please don't make me do the dishes. That's the worst thing on the planet. Well, my, my dad was the choir director. Yes, he was a football coach and a choir director. Figure that one out. But he was a choir director at our church. And so every Wednesday night, my mom and dad would go to choir practice. <clears throat> and every Wednesday night, I had a duty. I had somebody who had authority over me, my mom. And she told me that I was always supposed to have the dishes done. Can I just tell you? The one of the worst things ever for me is when I'm sitting there watching Love Boat or whatever it was you know, back then, when I'm watching Happy Days or whatever, and then all of a sudden we had a long driveway and I'd see the lights come up the driveway and I'd go, oh, oh, and sure enough, or if I didn't hear it and they came in, the wrath of mom. And my mom, I've shared stories before. She was a farmer girl, man. That woman threw me across the room a couple times. If I didn't do what I knew I was supposed to do, I got the wrath of my mom. And that happened way too many times. Now, the cool thing is, my mom and dad did instill within me a work ethic. 
And thank God, because I, I think if they didn't, I probably wouldn't have one at all. I just love to have fun. But they did. So when I was 19, I had a job at the city parks. And uh, my job was Crampton Park in Lapeer, Michigan. Crampton Park was right in the center of the city. It was, it was like right at the end, main intersection. It was where everybody went. And my job was to take care of that park. And so what I did is I learned how to run this mower and they had to train me on how to do it because it had one wheel underneath the seat. Anybody ever ride one of those before? Like you, you, it's right under your seat and you can literally on a dime just go, woo, which after you've learned how to do it, it's really fun. <laughs> but you have to learn how to do it without flying off the thing, you know? And so they trained me on that. They took me all around the park. They showed me everything that I needed to do. So I'm out there working one day on my lawnmower and all of a sudden Lauren, the boss, pulls up in his truck and he's just sitting in the parking lot watching me and I'm going back and forth and I'm going and he's just, I mean, for like 10 minutes, the dude's sitting in his truck watching me and I'm like, damn, what's going on? Like I'm getting all nervous and anxious and all of a sudden he gets out and Lauren's about this tall, little bald guy and he walked just like this Took him a long time to get to me. <laughs> and he got to me and I turned down my mower and I'm already like, what am I doing wrong? And he looks at me and he goes, boy, get off that thing and take a break once in a while. <laughs> and Lauren was amazed at the work that I was doing. I was faithful. I knew what my job was and I was just doing it. And the boss showed up and it ended up being a major blessing, man. He just, he encouraged me and he gave me more. It was, there's, Two completely different ways to handle what you know you're supposed to be doing, the service you're supposed to be doing. You cannot do it, and your mom, who has authority, can punish you, or you can do it, and your boss comes up, and he's so pleased, and he just gives you more responsibility. <laughs> no, that was actually a good thing. <laughs> It wasn't like, all right, slave boy. No, that wasn't what. No, I mean, more responsibility, more freedom. More, it, was, it was awesome. Well, at the same time when I was 19, same year, one day I was driving home from work and uh, had the window down like a beautiful day. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Had the window down. You know, when cars go by you when your window's down, it's like they make a sound. You just go, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And, I, and somehow I got in a trance and I'm, I'm driving, but I'm looking out the window at all the cars going by. And, and all of a sudden there's some, I don't know who it was, but something inside me was going, look at the road, look at the road, look at the road. You know? And I turned and as soon as I looked, there was a guy stopped right in front of me. And I, and I, I want to tell you, like, I, I can't wait to get to heaven and I'm, we're going to watch this. Jesus and I are going to watch this. And I'm going to go, how in the world did I not hit that guy? I still don't know how, but somehow I completely missed this guy dead stopped in front of me. And I'll never forget, man, 10, 15 minutes drive home. All I said was, thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you. You know why? Because, man, I was not following Jesus. <laughs> I was not following him, man. I was a Christian, but I was doing a lot of stuff I know he didn't want me to do. And there was stuff I know he wanted me to do and I had no interest in doing it. And it's one thing to face your mom when you're not doing what he, she wants you to do. But as you're gonna see here in a second, it's another thing to face Jesus if you're not doing what he asks you to do. Okay? So let's read this story and then we'll unpack this thing. 
Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Jesus says, be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Blessed are those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. I love that. I can't, that's just so cool. Jesus is the servant, you guys, the ultimate servant. And when he comes, he's just going to be like, oh, thank you. Here, you eat. Let me bless you. Blessed are those servants whose master finds them ready. Even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And the Lord answered, who then is, he doesn't answer him. You guys notice this? Hey, Lord, is this for everyone or us? And Jesus just goes right in, which anybody who understands this, all the scholars, when you're reading this, basically it's Jesus' way of saying, just listen, okay? Quit trying to get out of this one. And it's for all of us, y'all. The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, man, my master's taking a long time in coming. And he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. This is happy, fluffy Jesus. Okay, let's look at this thing. There's a few things we know right off the bat. Number one, we're servants, okay? Do y'all get that in here? That's how Jesus looks at us. He goes, you guys are servants. And then the other thing we obviously know is Jesus is the Lord. He's the master. The other thing we know is Jesus is resurrected. We're going to celebrate that in a few weeks. And here's the other thing Jesus says very clear. I am coming back. Okay, just so you all know. I'm coming back. And then here's the other thing. Very clear. While he's away, our faithful service is really important to him. Okay? That's, that's some general stuff. So we have three things that Jesus, that we're going to look at in this story that he expects. Just like my mom expected me to do the dishes and my boss expected me to mow the lawn. Okay? Here's what Jesus expects. Number one, he expects us to be ready. That word ready, 
came up so many times in that first story. So in Luke 12, 35, he says, be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. It's fun because in the Greek, it actually, the be dressed and ready for service, that was the English way of saying, let your loins be girded. Okay, <laughs> that's what it actually means. Now, I don't, you know, it's like, well, most of, any of you know what it means to loin or gird your loins? Well, all, all it means is they used to wear really long robes and you would take the robe and you would tuck it into your belt so that you could move fast. If, you, if, you're, if your robe was down low and you had to move or get going, you, you couldn't do it. You'd trip and you'd get stumble. So he's like, hey, get that robe, tuck it in and be ready, okay? And then he says, and keep your lamps burning. Why, why would he say keep your lamp burning? Well, Jesus told us something. It's very interesting. He said, I'm the light of the world. And then he said, what? You're the light of the world. Right now, you guys, today, did you know that you were the light of the world? And when you leave here and you walk out of these doors, you're the light of the world. So he's like, so keep your lamp burning. You got to be ready for this. I, I couldn't help but think of Ephesians chapter five uh, in verse eight. It says this, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's who we are. We're in the light. Jesus is the light of the world. We're in him. So he goes, you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then find out what pleases the Lord. Isn't that what just, isn't that, that just fit with the story. That's what Jesus was saying. A good servant looks and says, man, how do I please the Lord? How can I be ready? So as soon as he gets home from the wedding banquet, I'm like, hey, how you doing? Man, I've been looking for you. Jesus is saying, that's how, are you living that way? Are you living to please the Lord? And then he goes, be very careful in verse 15. Be very careful how you live. And obviously that's what Jesus was saying in this parable. Because how you live right now, you guys, matters for eternity. And he goes, so be careful how you live. Not as unwise as what, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Man, my, 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 my robe is tucked in my belt. I'm watching. I'm ready to go. Jesus, you say the word. I'm going to make the most of every opportunity. He goes, when I come home, when I come back, he goes, that's what I'm looking for. He's expecting us to be ready. And then there's two things that we can be sure about Jesus coming back. Number one is this. The certainty of his return. This is not just here, right? I mean, all through the Bible, this, like, this is our hope. Jesus come back. But here's the other thing, the unpredictability of his return. Oh man, how many times I tried to guess what time my mom and dad were going to get home. <laughs> yeah, I see that too. And then, oh, they came home early and you're, oh. Well, he says what? Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. Now, why this matters culturally is because when they did a wedding banquet, you guys, it wasn't like ours where we go to a wedding reception for a couple hours. Their wedding banquets could last a week. <laughs> Literally, come on, man, I wanna have a Jewish wedding personally. <laughs> a week-long celebration, and so they literally didn't know when the master was gonna come back. So that's why Jesus is using this as an illustration because it's an unpredictability. And then he says, it'll be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. He's like, don't go to sleep, y'all. 
Now, obviously, he's not talking about physical sleep. He's talking, are you spiritually awake or are you asleep? Are you, are you, just, are you just putting your head down to the reality of God's presence in this world and just doing your own thing? Or are you awake and are you ready? And then verse 40 says, you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. I mean, literally, he says, we'll be doing this, right? When he comes, some, sometime there's going to be church. We're going to be sitting just like this. And he's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> you don't know. And then here's the cool thing. Are you ready to be blessed? Are you ready? He's like, oh, I expect you to be ready to be blessed. Blessed are these servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and they will come, and he, and he will come and wait on them. You guys, before we get to the, the other stuff that kind of made you go, what? Let's just stop and just remember Jesus. All he's saying is, I can't wait to serve you. He is the servant. Remember, he said that. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. The greatest in the kingdom of God are those who serve. The servant is the greatest. And so for those of us who are walking with him and, and attending and we're ready and our, our, I can never say the right word, the, <laughs> the robe is tucked into my belt, it's like Jesus is going to come and go, man, way to go. Awesome. Sit down. Chill. Eat. Be merry. Let me serve you. He wants, he wants, he wants to bless and serve you. Isn't that cool? That's Jesus. So, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you so in tune and so on edge with Jesus that you're ready? Dressed, ready for action, lamps lit, waiting expectantly, alert and watching. Why in the world, when, there's, when March Madness is on, what are we doing at church? I mean, when, the, when, when there's beautiful mountains and golfing and when there's so many other things that we could be doing with our life, why in the world would I want to be watching and waiting for Jesus? Because he is your Lord. Because he's your creator. Because he's your savior. Because he's your life. Because he's the one who's coming back. And he's the only one who can reward us. That's why. So let's be ready. What's the second expectation? That we are serving. Jesus expects us to be serving. And he gives four examples here, right, of different types of servants. And what's interesting in this, he just makes it clear that the way we serve God actually is by serving each other. That's how we do it. We serve God by serving each other. So here's the first example. Verse 42. The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager? whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time. See right there, Jesus is like, so here's the deal. I'm your Lord and master. I'm, I'm giving you a stewardship and here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to serve other people. Jesus is like, that's how you serve me. And then he goes, blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns, truly I tell you. He'll put him in charge of all his possessions. So here's one option. We can be faithful servants. We can just be doing what he told us to do. This is me with my, with my boss. <laughs> I just learned how to run the mower and I knew what I was supposed to do and I went out and I did it. 
It's, it, isn't this funny? This isn't even that hard, right? This isn't that complicated. <laughs> you just simply do, how many of you actually do what your boss tells you to do? Okay, like half of you? Oh my. <laughs> Uh, good luck on Monday. <laughs> no, you, know, I, it's just, it's, you, just, you get a job, you have somebody who tells you what you do, and you go, okay, all right, I know what I'm supposed to do, and then you just go do it. Jesus is like, okay, here's what I want you to do. We're like, ah. Hmm. Yeah, let, me, let me pray about that. No, don't pray about it, because I know what he's going to tell you. All right, there, you're right. First example. Just do what he tells you to do. And then you're blessed. Now, here's this crazy second example. This guy, it says this person knows what Jesus says, but he does the exact opposite. Instead of serving people, instead of making sure that they have everything that they need, this guy goes into extreme self-indulgence, right? Says he's actually beating them. He's, He's belittling, he's causing harm to other people. And he's totally indulgent, he's losing control of himself. This guy is basically just saying, you know what, Jesus, I know what you told me to do, but I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to do the opposite. I hurt people. I don't care about people. I walk all over people, and I do whatever I want to do. If I want to just get wasted and drink until I'm obliterated, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry, right? That's what the guy who built the big barns, right? He said, he said to himself, hey, I should just eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus like, <clears throat> if I come back and that's what you were doing, Basically, and there's a really fun verse. He cuts him into pieces. Yeah, we were going through that with a team. It's like, maybe we should just skip that verse. But here's what's cool, you guys. In the Greek, it actually means to cut into, it cut in two. That's what it means. It's literally cut in two. And so then what does he say? And we know what that means because the very next statement says, and then he separates, so that's just separated him. When you cut something in two, you separate it. And basically what Jesus says, hey, I don't care, man. You can say you're a Christian. You can say you follow me. But if you are totally self-indulgent and doing what I've told you not to do and you're harming other people, you're not my servant. Did you guys catch that? That's just what we know. So a lot of people claiming Jesus, man, who do the exact opposite. Now, the next guy, he says this. The third example, he says, is the person who knows the master's will, but he doesn't get ready or do what the master wants. Now, this is me with my mom. I totally knew what my mom wanted me to do. I'm like, I want to watch Happy Days. I want to play outside. And she's like, well, I told you to do dishes. Well, I know what you want me to do, but I didn't get ready and I didn't do it. And so what Jesus says here is, by the way, If you know what he wants you to do, but you're not doing it, he goes, well, then many blows. Now, again, since this was not a physical, right? This isn't a horror movie where Jesus is cutting people into pieces, okay? This is an illustration. And so the physical blows, it's not abuse, it's not physical blows, but what he is saying, this is super important. Notice this. The person who's belligerently doing exactly the opposite, Jesus is just going, Man, there's no way I'm in you because that's just not me. So he separates them. But the Christian, the Christian who does know what they're supposed to be doing and isn't doing it, he goes, I'm not separating you. Isn't that good news? That's good news. He's not cutting you in two. But he knows you're not doing what you were created to do. 
I don't know about you as a parent. Well, my kids literally just don't do what I tell them to do. I don't go, well, that's great. Go ahead and just live a life doing whatever you want. Right, then I just set my kids for a life of destruction. A, a loving parent is one who disciplines his child when they don't do what you want to do. How many of you have been a boss and you've had somebody who just, they aren't doing what you told them to do? Right, you just go, okay. So this many blows is not separating you. It's just discipline. It's a, it's a punishment it's to help you become who he actually created you to be. But just know this. So there could be hardship. In, in, in Hebrews 12, it says, endure hardship. God is treating you as sons. He's just disciplining you. So I, my guess would be, this is all of us, by the way, you guys. There's not one of us who's going, I do everything Jesus wants me to do. I do try. And I will say this, I wake up every morning, every morning, and I do sit with him, and I go through the day before, and I ask him, Jesus, is there anything I didn't do that you asked me to do? And if there is, then I confess it to him. Is there anything I did that you didn't want me to do? And if there is, then I confess it to him. That's a... That's what it is to be a servant of Jesus. It doesn't mean that I'm going to get it right every time. But when I don't get it right, I turn quickly to him. And then what does he do? I forgive you, my son, right? I forgive you, and I cleanse you. And then the fourth example is a person who didn't, they didn't know, right? They didn't even know that the father's will, but they did stuff that deserved punishment. So he goes, well, you get a little bit of blows, right? So that's the one that's like, hey, let me help you out here, okay? But I can tell you this, you guys. Please hear this. Do you guys hear this? This isn't me. Jesus is expecting you to be serving him. That's what we are. And why? Why? Because he served you with his life. He laid down his life for you. And all he asks from us is our love. I just think it is really interesting how we, will, we, how we don't struggle with following a boss or a parent, but for some reason when it's God, we just, we go, man, and we think it's okay to say no to God, even though you will not do that to your boss on Monday. So let's think about that. Last one, Jesus expects us to be faithful. He expects us to be faithful. Last verse, he just says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Well, what have, what have people been given? In this story, people have been given two things. They've been given the knowledge of God's will, so they know God's will, and they've been given a stewardship. They've been given a, a responsibility that he's given them, okay? So, <clears throat> you know what? <laughs> and who's listening to this? The Pharisees are listening to this, and you know what? They've been given a lot. These guys knew the Bible upside and down, man. As far as knowing the will of God, they, they knew the scriptures like crazy. And then you had the disciples, and how much had they been given? They're walking with Jesus, for crying out loud, for two and a half years. They've been given a lot too, right? So he's like, hey, so for you guys who've been given much, much is actually, I've entrusted with you with this knowledge and responsibility. But I'm going to tell you, this is so crazy, but it's true. The Pharisees and the disciples at this point had nothing compared to what you and I have. They had nothing compared to what you and I have. 
Jesus has entrusted us with his very spirit. The Pharisees and the disciples before the death and resurrection of Christ, they weren't born of the spirit yet, but we are. What is God's going, hey, you know what I've given you? To him who much has been given. And Jesus is going, I've given you me. I've given you my spirit. And so I couldn't help but look at this. Titus chapter two, this New Testament passage unpacks this so well. Look at this. The grace of God has appeared that delivers, I'm sorry, that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. No to not caring for other people. No to wrongdoing of others. And to say no to worldly passions. No taking life easy. No eating and drinking and getting drunk. But to live a self-controlled, upright and godly life in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory. This is is exactly what Jesus said. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Why? You guys, why did Jesus give himself for us? Look at this. To redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Can I ask you, are you eager to serve Jesus? Are you eager to serve each other? Is your robe tucked in your belt? Are you watching and attentive and can't wait for the Spirit to give you one prompting so that you can do what he says? Jesus gave himself for us so that we would be eager to do what is right. And you know what's cool, you guys? The only way that we can do this is by grace, the grace that saves us. From what? What's it save us from? The penalty of sin and the power of sin. You are are totally forgiven by the grace of God, but you are also empowered by the grace of God. The one thing I wrestled with this whole before I gave this message to you, I don't want you coming out of here and going, okay, I gotta start being a better Christian and I gotta start It's like, no, you know what you need to do? You need, the first thing you need to do if you're not actually living a life ready for him and if you're not serving him, the first thing you need to do is just turn to him and just go, oh Jesus, I confess to you, I'm definitely not living that life right now. Just tell him, look him in the eyes and let his eyes look at you and all he'll say to you is, I know, I love you. I forgive you, and I will purify you from that. The grace, you guys, the Holy Spirit that we have inside of us is what empowers us to live this life of faithful service. And that Holy Spirit entrusts us with so many things. You know, where, so when he says, if I've entrusted you with much, what does that mean? Family, roommates, workplace, school, K2, See, these are all people and all opportunities that God has blessed you with. And then we take the gift of the Spirit and we do what? Be in fact, come up here as we, get, as we close to worship. What do we do? The Spirit inside of us, there's three things the Spirit does. There's lots, but here's the three main ones. It says that he gives you a spiritual gift for the benefit of the body. 
So one thing I just know, because scripture just says it, when Jesus looks at us, he goes, hey, as soon as you received me and I gave you my spirit, I gave you a gift to use for the body. So one thing you can just look at and you take some time this week and look at your life and go, how am I serving? Do you guys know what the church is, right? The bride of Christ. How are you serving Jesus' bride? How are you serving his body? Because every spiritual gift is an act of service. So that's one thing you can check. Here's the other thing Jesus said about the Spirit. He said, when the Spirit comes on me, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. So he, 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 he literally has entrusted the lost people in the world who don't know him. Jesus' whole way of getting the message to your coworkers and friends and neighbors is through you. And he gives us the Spirit, again, to empower us. So, man, if you aren't, if you aren't impacting the people around you, if you're not drawing people to Christ, if you're not loving people like Christ, then the Spirit, and then you, you just turn to him and say, man, Jesus, I need you, please. I confess to you. I'm not serving you like that. Give me the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to serve. And then the last thing is, God says, I poured my love into your heart through the Holy Spirit that I gave you. And Jesus' command was what? Love each other, y'all. Love each other as I've loved you. When Jesus comes, will he find you loving the people in this room? Do you love the people in this room? Love each other. Now, he wants us to love the world. The first thing he said is, just try this one. Love each other. Do you love each other? Do we go to church or are we the church? I don't think Jesus is that interested in going to church. I think he's glad we're all here. But what he really wants to know is if you are the church. And that means you love each other and you love him. He's your Lord and you're his servants. So we're gonna worship. And why this is so important, you guys, is because in these songs, we get to say, Jesus, you alone are worthy. You are the Lord, and we live for you. We live for you. That's what we're gonna say while we sing. And then you're gonna have a chance to say, but I need you, man. Please change me. Okay, if you're not been a great servant lately, okay, he loves you, man. He died to forgive you of all of your selfishness. It's already forgiven. But you can tell, even when it's forgiven, it still matters to him. Today's your chance. I confess to you, God. Cleanse me, change me in here. So I'll go out of here, be in the light of the world. All right? Let's stand, let's sing together.